Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Norton. I'm one of the pastors here at New Denver Church. And just a quick update. um, About two weeks ago, I was uh, briefly exposed to a coworker here on our staff who ended up uh, coming down with COVID-19. My exposure was fairly minimal. So, but we wanted to take that super seriously. So if you were here last week, I was not here. We actually filmed the sermon um, just before the service uh, the night before and showed that just to be extra cautious. But a um, couple of pieces of good news. The person who has COVID on our staff is feeling, starting to feel better uh, and getting better. So that's great. And then everyone else on staff uh, tested negative and we're all good to go for that. So it's good to be back um, with you in person. Um, and it's just good to see that the measures we've taken as a staff to minimize risks and the measures that we've taken as a church to minimize risks have been working. So um, we're doing uh, the best we can. So that's a quick update. Today we are going to take a look at and read about a ceremony that took place over 3,000 years ago. Um, And just reading the words today, the description of this ceremony uh, it's, it's not going to do it justice, right? Um, because it's described in Leviticus chapters 8 and 9. And some of you have been reading along in Leviticus. We're in a series. It's called You Lost Me at Leviticus. And uh, we've been studying this book of Leviticus together. Um, we've put together a whole bunch of resources at uh, newdenver.org slash Leviticus. Some of you have been reading ahead of time. If you're brand new this morning and you're thinking, that's odd, we're talking about Leviticus at church, uh, best thing for you to do is go back and listen to the first message. This is part four today. Go back and listen to part one, and you'll get all the reasoning behind why we think this is an interesting uh, book to take a look at. So uh, check that out. But if you did, if you are reading along with us, and you read chapters 8 and 9 of Leviticus before this morning, here's what I'm guessing you were thinking. You were thinking, uh, this is really dull, this is really boring, this is really repetitive, why are there so much time spent describing all the details of this ceremony that we're going to look at this morning? And I'm going to try to answer that question for you. And I'm going to try to point out two reasons for why this was so important. Why it was important for Israel, and then more importantly, why it's important for all of us. But it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. So uh, let's jump in and look at Leviticus chapter 8 and 9. We're going to skip through a whole bunch. So if you brought a Bible, awesome. I'm not going to put all the verses on the screen because I'm just going to be skipping around a lot. Um, we're just going to read through some different parts of chapters 8 and 9 today. And there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that I'll talk about. We're doing a podcast each week in the middle of the week. So I'll hit some extra stuff uh, during that. So Leviticus chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, or that's also called a purification offering, the two rams and the basket containing bread made without yeast and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So the people are at Mount Sinai. That's where this is taking place. They've been there a few months after they escaped slavery in Egypt and uh, God told them while they were there to build this tent 
called the tent of meeting or it's called the tabernacle where they could meet with him. So they did that. Um, Nobody went in the tent at that point. They're waiting for God to tell them what to do next. And that's how the book of Exodus ends. And then we jumped into Leviticus and Leviticus started by saying, here's all the stuff that's going to happen in this tent of meeting. When you want to draw close to me, when you want to bring gifts or bring sacrifices to me in this tent or at this tabernacle, here's all the instructions. And so that's what we've been reading. Chapters 1 through 7 are all the instructions about the stuff that will happen in the tent of meeting. But now chapter 8 starts with opening day, right? This is like opening day of a new building and this is like inauguration day, Because what they're going to do is inaugurate the priests who are going to oversee all of this stuff happening in the tent of meeting. And the priests are are hugely important. Moses is going to ordain his brother, Aaron, and Aaron's sons to be the first priests that lead all of the things that are happening in the tabernacle. So this is a bit like inauguration day. In Washington, D.C., when a new president is being inaugurated, right? There's all kinds, if you've ever watched those uh, ceremonies, there's all kinds of rituals and all kinds of symbolic things that happen um, on that day because it's the beginning of a new era when a new president is, is taking an oath of office and doing all this. It's the beginning of a new time and a new era. But this is even bigger for Israel because this is the beginning of a new nation. They have never existed as an actual nation before, and this is like the very beginning of that. So this is a huge ceremony. So we start by seeing Aaron and his sons are told to gather all of the stuff. There's all the stuff they're supposed to bring, and everyone is supposed to meet at the entrance to the tent of meeting. In other words, don't go in yet right? Don't go past the entrance. Don't go through the metal detectors, right? Just stop right out front. Don't go in yet. Verse 6, chapter 8, then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. So that's a bit odd, right? Uh, But what's happening is they're going to be priests. They're going to become the first priests in the tabernacle, and so they are being washed uh, probably in a massive bathtub or some sort of way they're they're washing them it's like a public baptism this is going to symbolize them being purified and cleaned in order to enter this new role verse 7 Moses put the tunic on Aaron these are all the garments he was supposed to bring with him by the way put the tunic on Aaron he tied the sash around him he clothed him with the robe and he put the ephod on him, and ephod is just like a smock. So he basically puts this new smock on him. He also fastened the ephod with a decorative waistband, which he tied around him. He placed the breastpiece on him, and then he put the urim and the thumen in the breastpiece. You have no idea what that means. I don't either, but we'll talk about it in the podcast. Then he placed the turban on Aaron's head, and he set the gold plate, the sacred emblem, on the front of it as the Lord commanded. So Moses gives Aaron this entirely new outfit. It's like all of these new threads that he has to wear now, and all of these different pieces of the outfit are important in some symbolic way, and as I said, we'll take a look at that. But they all symbolize Aaron is entering into a new and sacred role. Verse 10, Then Moses took the anointing oil, and he anointed the tabernacle, and everything in it, and so consecrated them. 
he sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and he anointed him to consecrate him. So oil um, in the ancient world, and this is probably just olive oil, oil in the ancient world was a symbol of God's spirit. And so whenever Moses anoints the tent and the altar and all the different things that are inside of the tent, basically he's saying this, may God's spirit be in this place and on all of these things and may they be used for sacred purposes. That's really what the word consecrate means. It means to be made holy, and holy just meant to be set apart, to, to say these things are going to be distinct, and they have a specific, unique, set-apart role. And then Moses does the same thing with Aaron. But get this, basically he's saying like, to Aaron, may God's spirit be on you, and, and may you be set apart for God's holy purposes. But did you notice that he doesn't just sprinkle oil on Aaron? He sprinkles oil on everything else, but he pours oil on Aaron. And I was thinking about this. Maybe this, I mean, remember, Moses and Aaron are brothers. So maybe this is just Moses being silly, right? Just pouring a whole bunch of oil all over Aaron. Because I think we picture this ceremony as very solemn, and it wasn't that. You're going to see. This is probably a very joyful occasion. Maybe Moses just starts sprinkling on on Aaron, and all the crowd starts saying, pour it, pour it, you know, like, maybe that's what's going on, but apparently he pours a ton of oil on Aaron, and somebody later writes a song about this, and it becomes Psalm 133. Listen to the words of Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. So this moment is remembered for generations and hundreds and now thousands of years later when Moses pours all this oil over Aaron and he is soaked in oil and everyone's gathering and everyone's watching and there's this sense of unity and there's this sense of purpose and there's this sense of expectation and excitement about what's happening on this day. Verse 14, he then, this is Moses still, presented the bull for the sin offering or purification offering and then there's a whole bunch of details about that. Verse 18, he then presented the ram for the burnt offering. And then there's a bunch of details about that. Verse 22, he then presented the other ram, the ram for the ordination. And there's a whole bunch of details about that. So there's these three offerings that are presented, and there's actually a fourth. There's a grain offering included in this. And there are all kinds of unique things happening with these offerings. One of the offerings is to cleanse and purify the tabernacle and the altar and all of the stuff that's there. One of the offerings is to cleanse and purify Aaron and his sons to be priests. And uh, in fact, in that one, if you had time to read the details, it says that Moses takes some of the blood of the offering and he puts it on Aaron's right earlobe, his right thumb, and his right big toe. And we're all thinking like, what? Why in the world does he put it on his earlobe, his thumb, and his toe? And 
I have no idea, right? Scholars have no idea. There are all sorts of interesting theories about why he does this. But at the end of the day, we really have no idea. This was just one of those things in their culture that apparently meant something to them, and it might have been obvious to them what it meant, but we've lost it. We don't know what it means, and it's not always obvious to us. I was thinking about this. In our culture today, when you take an oath, you raise your right hand up in the air. Why do we do that? Does anyone know? I didn't know. I looked it up, and it goes back to some ritual in 17th century England. We don't even know why we do that, but we all know that it means something when you raise your right hand. So something's going on with the right earlobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe, but he does all of these sort of rituals to ordain Aaron and his sons, and then they're told to cook the meat, and they eat the meat with the bread right there at the entrance to the tent of meeting, And then listen to this. Moses says this, verse 33. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed. For your ordination will last, in case you just missed what I said, seven days. So they have to sit there and wait for seven days. And we're not really sure if they did all of the stuff that chapter 8 describes, if they did all of that on day 1, and then for days 2 through 7, they just sat there and they waited. Uh, We're not sure if maybe they did some of the things on day 1, some on day 2, some on day 3. Actually, if you go back through the chapter, you can see there's seven pretty discrete steps of things that they do. And so some people think they did step one on day one, step two on day two, step three on day three, and what we're just getting is a summary of the whole experience. Or maybe they did all seven things on day one, and then the priest stayed there, and the people came back, and they did all seven things again on day two, and all seven things again on day three. We're not sure, but the chapter concludes by saying, verse 36, so Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Now think about that for a second. This is not a short ceremony. This is seven days. And they go through all of these details and there's sprinkling and there's putting blood on earlobes and there's just, there's all these intricate things. And if you're like me, you're wondering at this point, why is all of this so important? Why are we being told about all of these details? We'll answer that in a second because it actually doesn't stop there. Look at what it says next, chapter 9, verse 1. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take a bull calf for your sin or purification offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord together with a grain offering mixed with olive oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. Now, this all sounds the same to us. Right? Our eyes are glazing over because it's like, what? It's just more offerings and more sacrifices and more blood. But you have to realize something different has happened. The seven days have passed. It is the eighth day. And now Aaron is overseeing everything. 
In chapter 8, Moses was making all of the offerings, but now Aaron has been installed. Aaron and his sons have been ordained, and now they are going to be the leaders of the people, the shepherds of the people, and now they are going to begin going into the tent of meeting and inviting and leading the people to worship God and bring their gifts to him. The day has finally come. The day is here, and Moses ends this little part by saying, do all this stuff, and by the way, God's going to show up today. God will be present. So verse 8, so Aaron came to the altar and he slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. Bunch of details about that. Verse 12, then he slaughtered the burnt offering. More details. Verse 15, Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. Details about that. Verse 16, he brought the burnt offering and offered it in the prescribed way. He also brought the grain offering, verse 18. He slaughtered the ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. Details about that. And remember, the fellowship offering was the one where they took the meat and they actually celebrated and they all ate it and it was like a big meal of celebration and joy. And then verse 22, then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and he blessed them. And for us, Right, We read all this, and I, did, I skipped a whole lot of the details. We read all this, or maybe you read it, and we think, like, what is going on with all of this? Why is following all of these instructions to the letter so important? I mean, think about it. We just read chapters 1 through 5. For five chapters, we get instructions about five different sacrifices and how all the people are to come and offer them. And about 80% of that was repetitive, right? If you read it, you were just thinking, oh my gosh, this is the same thing over and over and over. Then we get to chapter six and seven, and there's more instructions. Now for the priests, when people are bringing these offerings, here's some more things that you need to be aware of and that you need to do. And those sounded pretty much the same if you're reading them too. Then we get to chapter 8. It describes an ordination ceremony for Aaron and his sons to go through and, and to be able to offer all these sacrifices. But Moses is offering all the sacrifices to install Aaron and his sons. And that's repetitive and tedious. And then we get to chapter 9. And now it's Aaron offering all of these sacrifices. And you can't help but stop. I mean, this is why we all get lost in Leviticus, right? This is why we give up by this point. It's just like, this is over and old blood and repetition and instructions, and it's the same thing. You can't help but ask, why is this in here? Why is this so important? What does this have to do with any of us or our journey of faith? today. Well, first, let me tell you why it was important for Israel, and then let me venture a guess as to why it might be important for us today. This was so important for Israel because this was the beginning of God recreating the world and reordering the entire world, and what they were doing on these days, in these moments, in these rituals, in these details was at the very center of God's purposes for the whole world. And that might sound like a bit of a stretch to you, but do you think it was random or arbitrary that this ordination ceremony should last seven days? 
And why did Moses pick that? When Moses says, we're going to do this thing and it's going to last seven days. What story would ancient Israelites have immediately thought of that lasted seven days? Genesis chapter one, right? It's when God creates the world in seven days. It's when God brings order from chaos in seven days. When we get to the book of Exodus, God instructs Moses to build this tent of meeting and he speaks to Moses seven times to give him instructions. When Moses actually builds the tent of meeting in Exodus chapter 40, it says that Moses follows God's commands seven times. God speaks seven times and Moses creates and builds seven times. And now God is preparing this altar and the place and the priests and the ceremony is gonna last seven days. And you go back and look at chapter eight and there's seven steps to the process. And at the end of every single step, look at what it says. Verse four, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Verse nine, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 13, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 17, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 21, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29, as the Lord commanded Moses. And then the very end, verse 36, so Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. It's as if God is speaking something new into existence. And this number seven shows up over and over. Remember, Moses anoints the temple or the tabernacle seven different times, and it's all communicating something so powerful to the people that God is bringing a new order and a new creation into the world. In the first seven days, God created the world, and we know that things got off track pretty quickly. On the eighth day, God handed over this new world to Adam and Eve and said, now you are to rule in my place. Now you are to cultivate and carry this creation project forward. And we know things got off track quickly. Human sin and violence and arrogance and oppression and injustice. Everything that Israel experiences in Egypt has derailed God's creation project. And so now God is creating a new people that are going to bring a new order into the world. And it all starts with a physical place. This one little physical place that's going to be called the tent of meeting. And you know what that's like? You know what all ancient Israelites would have thought of when they thought of that place and you see it in rabbinical writings? That this is like a new Eden. This is the place where we can be in God's presence and we can walk and talk and meet with him just like Adam and Eve did. And then there's these priests and they're being inaugurated and they're gonna be given over the responsibility just like Adam and Eve were to lead other people into God's presence. And that happens on the eighth day, right? And eventually the goal is not for there to just be some priest at the head of it all, but for the whole nation, Exodus 19, to be a priestly kingdom and a holy nation that leads people of all nations back into God's presence. Do you see now the significance that on the eighth day, when Moses hands leadership over to Aaron and the things begin, that there's this sense that something huge is happening and everything that we are doing is a part of that. This is the beginning of God 
recreating and reordering the world. Which, of course, then gets to you and me because you might be thinking, well, that's really interesting, Norton. A lot of background, (laughs) a lot more context than I was ever uh, interested in. But why is this important to us? Right? What do all of these details have to do with any of us? Here's the lesson I think we need to all learn. When the world needs to be reordered, it starts with the details. When the world needs to be fixed, it starts with the details. When there's a mess that needs to be cleaned up, it starts with the details. Have you ever had a mess at your house that's so big that you don't even know where to start? Anybody have that? Like you walk into your bedroom after a trip and like your suitcase is exploded and there's just stuff everywhere. Or your kitchen after a big party and there's just dishes that are dirty everywhere. Or your basement. For me, it's my garage. The garage is the place where everything that you don't know where it should go just gets thrown into the garage. And there's this times in the year where I just walk into the garage and and the tools have gotten not put back in the right place and there's stuff laying everywhere and there's boxes open and there's all the stuff that we don't know what to do with and it's all, and it's just such a huge mess that I, I don't even know where to start or what to do. And I have to tell myself, you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. So so you find one little spot and you clean that up and you create order in this one little spot. It's like a beachhead of order and then you can stand in that spot and you can create a little order here and then you can move and create a little bit more here and you slowly start cleaning up the mess and you know this is not gonna take an hour, it's not gonna take a day, it's gonna take a long time, it's gonna require persistence, it's gonna require hard work. But if you step back and you look at the whole mess, you can get some perspective but it can also overwhelm you and you'll never get started. But if you just jump in and you focus on the details, it has to start somewhere. I heard another example that I thought was was, was perfect for this. You know those TV shows, um, Extreme Makeover, uh, or, um, and I don't mean the home edition. There was the home edition later, but first it was like the people edition um, or Biggest Loser. Remember that one would be on? And there would always be these shows where there would be this panel of experts and they would go into somebody's life and, and, and the person that they were trying to help was always usually significantly overweight and their house was a mess and they would lay on the couch all day. Maybe they didn't even have a job and they would just watch TV and they had no priorities and no order and they were usually depressed and they had no hope and they just had all, I mean, their, their life by all accounts was just a total mess. And, and the experts always go in and they say something like this. All right, here's how we're going to start. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up at 7 a.m. And if you can't do that, we're going to go to Walmart and buy an alarm clock right now. And you're going to wake up at 7 a.m. And then the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go brush your teeth. And then you're going to make your bed. And then you're going to have breakfast. And the person is usually saying like, no, don't you get it? I'm depressed. I don't have a job. My life is a total mess. It's chaotic. And you're telling me, and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We have to start somewhere. And the place to start is first you just need to clean your teeth, right? You just need to brush your teeth. You have to start somewhere. So you start there and you just need to make your bed. And I know it's only six feet by six feet and the rest of your house or your apartment is going to be chaotic for a while. But you start somewhere. Somewhere. 
Have you ever seen somebody join the army? What's the first thing they do? They cut their hair. And then they give them a new uniform. And then they tell them how to polish their shoes. Because you're going to enter into a new sense of order and discipline. And it's going to start with how you, it's going to start with your hair and what you're wearing and how clean your boots are. And you see, I think if God was here today, <laughs> he would say it's like that with Israel, right? It's like Israel recognized we're going to reorder the world, but you can't just go to the promised land yet. You can't just start telling the Canaanites about this new order. You've got to start with creating just some sacred space, and you need some details for how you can meet with me. And eventually we'll get to Canaan, and eventually we'll get to the promised land, and eventually we'll get to all those. But you have to start with these details. I think God would say the same thing to so many of us today. Because <laughs> we would sit here and say, you know what? Our world is crazy right now. Feels like so many things are turned upside down. Feels like there's just disorder and chaos that's ruling in the midst of this pandemic and the election season and, and everything else that's going on. And I think God would look at us and say, you know what? I know it's a mess. I know the whole thing needs to be cleaned up. And I want to use you as people of faith, as my followers of Jesus, I want to use you as the people who are going to show the world a new order, a new set of values, a new set of priorities. But we got to start with the details. <laughs> like, like the on-the-ground details. Like what do you do every single morning? What are your eating habits. I know that doesn't seem related to reordering the world, but that's where we need to start. What, what do you watch? What do you carry in your pockets? What do you spend your money on? What does your calendar look like? How, how do you draw close to me? And I don't mean in the theoretical, theological, I mean like literally, physically, where is the sacred space in your life? Where is it that you go to meet? What time do you go there? And what are the specific things you do when you get there? What are the details looking like in your life? That's how we start, by cleaning up the mess of this world. It starts by cleaning up some messes in your own life. So the question I have for you this morning is, what are some details that you need to focus on? What's something that God may be brought to your mind? What are some practices or habits? We cannot control the election in November. We cannot control the economy. We cannot control what happens with this pandemic. There are, whatever it is that you think is the biggest problem in the world right now, you probably can't control it and I probably can't control it. But we can control the details of our lives. I think that's where God wants us to start. So what do you need to do? Uh, I want to close by just reading you the very end of chapter 9 because apparently the Israelites got this. Apparently those seven days of ordaining Aaron and his sons were meaningful. And on the eighth day, when Aaron and his sons take place and they begin to offer these offerings, 
on behalf of all the people. And they follow the instructions to the letter down to the prescribed detail, right? At the end of that day, look at what happens. Chapter 9, verse 23. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. Now they can go inside. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. I don't know how this happened or what this even looked like, but it happened somehow. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell face down. It's day one of a new creation week. It's day one of God's reordering project for the world. And all of these rituals might seem strange and boring to us, but for them, they shouted for joy. I mean, they're going crazy. And then it says they're so overcome that they just fall down on their faces. And that's where we will pick up with a very unexpected twist in the story next week. So let me pray for us. Lord, um, we know that you are in the details of our lives. And we want to partner with you in that. And so God... um, I pray that you would um, show us something even in this old and strange and odd text and story um, and that even today we might um, resolve to draw closer to you, to worship you more, to give focus to maybe parts of our lives that are a mess, to not get overwhelmed by the mess but to know with your strength and your power and your grace that you can begin to bring some order from the chaos. God, we pray that you would help us to know where to start. Pray this in your name. Amen.